no matter what it is that we go through, what sorrow we go through, it causes us to mourn. The promise is God's going to comfort us. That's the good news. Matthew 5 and verse 4. Okay, if you have that, then let's read it all together. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This morning I'd like to speak with you on this subject. Blessed are they that mourn. Well, what were you doing back in 1987? Any recollections? Not many? Well, let me tell you about a a little author by the name of Bob Green. Bob is still alive today, 74 years of age. And in 1987, he was a journalist. He works in America. He's American. And he worked for the Chicago Tribune. And he wrote an interesting story in 1987. He wrote about a young man at that time, 15 years of age, Douglas Maurer, lived down in Missouri. He'd been feeling bad for several days. His temperature was ranging between 103 and 105 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius. You're going to have to do the math, but it's above what it ought to be. About 98 Fahrenheit is normal, and this is higher than that. So he was suffering from flu-like symptoms. Now, before you go thinking COVID, this is 1987. Well, finally, his mother Donna took him to the emergency room of the Children's Hospital at Washington University Medical Center in St. Louis. Blood tests revealed one of the most agonizing things a parent can learn about a child. Douglas was diagnosed as having leukemia. During the next 38 hours, Douglas endured blood transfusions spinal and bone marrow tests, and chemotherapy. He developed pneumonia. For five days, his mother stayed in his hospital room. One night, Douglas, afraid, asked her to sleep in his bed by his side. Through her tears, she had to tell him that she couldn't. IV tubes and monitor cords were attached to his body, and the bed was small, and there was no room for her without the danger of dislodging some of the important medical equipment. The doctors told Douglas in very frank terms about his disease. They said that for the next three years he would have to undergo chemotherapy. They did not sugarcoat the side effects. They told Douglas that he would go bald, that his body would most likely bloat. Upon learning this, he went into a deep depression. Although he was told there was a good chance for the disease to go into remission, he was smart enough to know that the unspoken truth was that leukemia is more than often a fatal disease. What do you do to encourage someone like that? Well, Douglas's aunt 
did something. And what she did triggered another something that resulted in encouraging Douglas, comforting him. And I'm going to tell you what the aunt did at the end of this sermon. So stay with us. You're going to learn and find out the end of this story that Bob Green wrote in the Chicago Tribune in 1987. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, as we begin this message, we ask that Your Holy Spirit would take the truth of Scripture and apply it to our hearts. Father, we don't know how many out there right at this very moment could use some encouragement. There may well be a number of church people right now that are kind of propped up in bed watching the service or they're covered with blankets sitting on the living room couch watching this service. Father, I do ask that You would comfort all those who are in any kind of distress today. Your Scripture says, Blessed are they that that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Father, comfort us today and help us to feel Your presence. And help us, Lord, to face today and face this week with confidence. Father God, I ask for the physical strength to preach the sermon as I'm not at the top of my game today. Help me, Lord, communicate your truth to your people for your glory. In the name of your Son, amen. Well, our subject today is blessed are they that mourn. That seems kind of strange when you think of it seems strange to call mourners blessed. <clears throat> why would they be blessed? When you and I mourn, why is it that we can be blessed? What does it mean to mourn? Maybe we should start with that. Mourn, M-O-U-R-N. The, um, the Bible uses the word mourn in the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek. And both the Hebrew and Greek words mean to lament and wail and bemoan. That's the idea of it. It's a very emotional word. Our word in English, the English word mourn, actually comes from a root word that means to remember. And isn't that the case? That when we lose something, or we suffer something, we have memory back to when we didn't have that problem and that thing we lost and how it was a part of our lives and then we lost it. And we remember. And it causes us to mourn, to lament, to bemoan, if you will. Well, what sort of things do people mourn over? Well, they can sure mourn over a lot. Let's take a look at one or two, shall we? Let's go back into the Old Testament to the book of Genesis and go to Genesis 37. We have here the sad story of Jacob's son Joseph. You know the story. And Joseph was a dreamer. 
and he had these dreams. His brothers hated him. Remember that? And so Jacob made this special coat for Joseph. And boy, it must have looked good. His brothers saw him from a distance. There's that miserable Joseph. Look at him prancing around in that new coat of his. Dad made that. Yeah, Dad never made a coat for us. Look, look, there's Daddy's favorite. They hated their brother. That's sad, isn't it? When you get sibling rivalry in a home. It's sad when a home gets divided. It's sad. Folks, we need to do all we can to avoid our homes and families being divided. And we need to keep prayer hot. We need to keep Jesus first. The devil is trying to destroy good families. If the devil has been trying to destroy your family, maybe because at, at the heart it's a good family. Well, in chapter 37, we have the story, a sad story, on how these brothers sold their brother, Joseph, into slavery. They took that beautiful coat, they covered it with an animal's blood, and they brought it back to their father. And they put on quite a performance. These brothers were real actors. And they said, Oh, Dad, it's terrible. An animal got Joseph, and this is all that's left. And so, in verse 34, I want you to see this. Jacob, that's the father, rent his clothes, it means he just tore them, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned. There's that word, mourn. Mourned for his son many days. He thought his son was dead. Now, in truth, his son wasn't. Been sold into uh, Egypt. And there's a good story at the end of that. But right now, in chapter 37, we're in the, the dark valley with Jacob. He's being told a lie. And here's an old man made to believe that his young, tender son, Joseph, was killed by wild animals. And here's the blood on the coat. People mourn for the loss of loved ones. Do you have any loved ones that have been taken from you? They don't have to be taken by death. They could be taken by distance. They could be halfway around the world. And maybe you miss them. Maybe some kind of problem got in to your family. And maybe there was a fight. And maybe one or some of your loved ones have been sort of taken by the fight. And they're no longer close in proximity or close in heart. Maybe there's a big misunderstanding. People mourn over that sort of thing. And if you're mourning over these things, you're certainly not the first. I dare say there are untold millions that have mourned over the loss of loved one. That's not all that people mourn about, though. Let's uh, turn to the right. Uh, we'll get to the book of Job right before Psalms. And we'll get to Job chapter number 2. Job chapter number 2. 
The story of Job is certainly a familiar story to our hearts and lives. None of us want to go through what Job went through. And yet many people have gone through very similar things. Job had everything, right? And this is the story, not from rags to riches, but from riches to rags. And Job had love, he had respect, he had health, he had wealth. He had family. He had all of what the, the world had to offer, he had it. He was, if not the richest, he was one of the richest men at that time. And you know that the devil secured permission to hit him and hit him hard. And you know, often I wonder if that's not the source of some of our troubles, is the devil has sought permission. It's possible that we were uh, having prayer as a family and then things got busy, we got distracted, we stopped having prayer as a family and all of a sudden the devil hits us. It's in the book of Job that we learn that Satan could not get at Job because God had put a hedge of protection around him. I want to encourage you to be praying God's hedge of protection around your family, your home, your heart, all the works of your hands. Pray God's hedge of protection around our church, Grace Baptist Church, our people, our ministries, our pastors, our deacons, our cash flow, our reputation, our prayer power. Every day be praying God's hedge of protection. I dare say that there are Christians that are suffering needlessly because they haven't been praying. They haven't been looking unto God and in Jesus' name asking God to keep a hedge of protection around them. You need to pray that in the morning. You need to pray that in the evening. But Job was a prayer warrior. He was a godly man. But God gave special permission to Satan to strike Job. And boy, when Satan gets permission, he goes at it, tooth and nail, bang, bang, bang. And Job overnight lost everything, including his health. And he was stricken pretty badly. And in chapter 2, verse 11, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn. There's the word again. To mourn with him and to comfort him. Well, you know the story. They didn't do such a good job at comforting. They probably mourned, but their comfort wasn't so good. But we have here an example of personal tragedy and personal loss. <clears throat> there are those today, I'm sure, that have lost their job. And maybe COVID had something to do with it. And there's a tragedy. There's a loss of income. There's a loss of 
familiar work setting. They drive by and they say, I used to work there. My office was on the second floor. I lost my job. And there's a, a sense of bemoaning, lamentation, mourning. Sometimes people, they have investments and they lose their investments. Some people have lost life savings. Imagine you're retired or just about to go into retirement and you lose it all. That happened to a friend of mine back in the city of Ottawa. At one point, this man was worth a few million dollars. <clears throat> God had um, allowed him and a partner, the two men, to start a business, and it was in property management. And because of their experience and their contacts, they really did a zoomy. And um, in just a short time, they had a lot of business coming in. And they were making a lot of money. One man, he was sort of in charge of all of the PR with customers. The other man, he was in charge of office, finances, things like that. Well, one day, the man in charge of PR and customer relations realized that something wasn't right financially. His partner came to him and said, I want you to buy me out. And so he did. and wrote a check and bought him out. And about a week later, he realized that his partner for years had been draining the company. He'd been robbing the company and not paying bills and he was covering it and covering it. And now this man, who at one time was worth several million dollars, and he was about to retire, he told me that was his retirement. Now he owed several million dollars. And I went to visit him after the fallout over all this. He'd gotten himself a little job. He was in a, a trailer some kind of little bit of a, I think it was a security job, I don't quite remember now, but I'll never forget the look on his face. And this man did not know the Lord Jesus as Savior, and so he had no Savior to come and comfort him. But this man's whole life was destroyed, devastated, destroyed. He put his trust in a, a business partner, and the business partner took him to the cleaners. Whatever happened to that business partner, I do not know. But I do know this. Whatever you sow, you will reap. That's one of God's immutable laws like gravity. I don't know whatever became. I, I couldn't even tell you if either of those men are still alive today. It's been so many years. I don't know. But what a What a tragedy. And as I preach this sermon, there might be someone out there watching that's experienced some of this personal loss. Possibly a loved one. Possibly personal finance. But that's not all that people mourn over. No. 
We don't have time to look at a complete list, but I'd like to show you one more. If you turn to the New Testament, just past the book of Hebrews, getting near the end of the New Testament, you come to the book of James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Would you follow along with me, please? I want to read one verse, James chapter 4. Read it out loud, would you please? Verse number 9. Chapter 4, verse 9 of the book of James. Read it with me. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now, What's James talking about? James is talking about people who commit sin. Sin is nothing to rejoice in. Sin is deadly business. It's poison. Sin is the enemy of God. It's the enemy of Jesus Christ. It's because of sin that man has been separated from God. It's because of sin that hell hath enlarged her mouth and has received millions and millions of people. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for sin. But more than that, He died for sinners. You and me. You see, sins committed ought to be mourned over. If you can sin and not have it affect you, if you can sin and not feel guilty or not feel bad, you have a problem, my friend. You have a problem with your heart and your conscience. Maybe your conscience is seared with a hot iron and you can now say things that once upon a time would make you blush. You can do things that once upon a time you wouldn't dare do. But you see how deceiving sin is. And sin, the devil is trying to make sin part of our lives. And we need to be on our guard. Parents, you need to guard your home against sin getting into the hearts and minds of your children. We all need to do our best to get sin out. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But truly, these are some things that people mourn over. Maybe they've opened their mouth and said some hard, terrible things, some sinful things. And now, oh, they wish they'd never said those things. Maybe they reached out and took something, stole it. And they're wishing now they had never, ever, ever done that. Maybe the consequences of sin are already showing up in their life. Maybe someone today is mourning because of sin. Maybe you've sinned against a father or a mother. Maybe you've sinned against a brother or a sister. 
Maybe you've sinned against your employer and you got caught. Maybe you've sinned against your neighbor and he found out about it. You see, these are legitimate things that people mourn over. It's very true. Now, back in Matthew chapter 5, the Lord Jesus said, Blessed are they that mourn. The context of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 was God in the flesh offering the kingdom upon earth to the nation Israel. And I believe that the emphasis in this Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, I think the emphasis is towards saved people. Saved people. I think that's the context here. Because remember, Jesus said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why would God comfort unsaved, wicked people? Why would he do that? He doesn't. God comforts saved people. That's what he does. So, blessed are they that mourn. That gives us the indication that God is wanting to reward us. Not for our sins, but our sorrows. You see, sin needs to be repented of. Sorrow needs to be comforted. Maybe you've sinned and you've repented and you're very sorrowful. God will comfort you. I'd like to, uh, to look at something with you. We want to compare an Old Testament and New Testament verse here. But let's go back to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. That's on the right hand side of Psalms. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. By the way, if this sermon is a blessing to you, maybe you could tell someone about it so they could watch. Feel free to write in a comment if this sermon is a blessing to you. In Isaiah chapter 61, this was quoted by our Lord Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now watch verse 2 and 3. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And so here's this Old Testament prophecy. Turn now to the Gospel of John in the New Testament. John and chapter number 14. John chapter 14. And we have this Old Testament prophecy of comfort to the people of God. And in John chapter 14, our Lord Jesus says in verse number 16, And I will pray the Father, 
and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, folks. No matter what we go through, particularly our sorrows, the sorrow of loss, the sorrow of trouble, the sorrow of tribulation, the sorrow of pain or suffering, no matter what it is that we go through, what sorrow we go through, it causes us to mourn. The promise is, God's going to comfort us. That's the good news. Now maybe you're at home right now and you're coughing and sputtering a bit and wondering when this COVID Omicron thing is going to be over. Well, be encouraged. There's an old saying, how far can a dog run into the woods? How far can a dog run into the woods? And the answer is halfway, only halfway. Because the other half, he's running out. He's running out. This past week, oh, maybe it was on Tuesday, I started to feel I was turning the corner on the Omicron virus. And that my days were getting a little better. And maybe right now you're running halfway in. You're still in that first half of the Omicron. Maybe you've got a thermometer in your mouth. Maybe you've got chills and you're covered up in blankets. Well, you're getting to the halfway point. And at some point, you're going to start coming out of it. God promises to comfort us. That's His promise right here. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And again, I want to remind you that the word comfort essentially means a getting together of your strength. The prefix C-O-M means together and fort, which is the root word of comfort. It's fort, it means strength. We talk about a fortress. In music, they use these Italian words, forte, and it means, poof, come on with strength. Hit those keys a little harder. Come fort is to get your strength together, and really that's what you need. You need to be strengthened, and the Holy Spirit can and will do that. But you need to look unto Him. Keep looking to the Lord during your time of sorrow, be it physical or financial or family. Keep looking to the Lord. He will comfort. He delights in comforting. That's the God that we, we know and we serve. Well, what about the comfort of someone like Jacob? He lost his son. God comforted Jacob because later Jacob got Joseph back. Jacob ends up hearing Joseph is alive. And he can't believe his good news. And I'm sure his heart felt like it was going to burst out of his chest. He went down to Egypt and there was his son Joseph, alive and well, and the prime minister. He was Joseph had been made the prime minister of all of Egypt. Jacob's son, Joseph. God delights in doing things like that, in comforting. With Job, in the case of Job, he had lost so much, but when you get to the end of the book of Job, 
God turns the fortunes around. And now God blesses Job and gave Job twice as much as he ever had before. If he was the world's richest person before, now he's twice that. And God is able to give back jobs and investments. And God is able to restore all these things that are lost. But we need to be looking unto Him. We need daily to be looking to God. And what about in the case of those that are sorrowing over sins committed? How about them? Well, of course, God delights to forgive sin. It's a joy to God to forgive sin. Listen to the Scriptures. I want you to listen and hear with your ears and see with the eyes of your understanding that the God who loves us is a God of comfort. Listen, Psalm 29:11. The Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, Isaiah 40, verse 1, the words of God, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. John chapter 10 and verse 11 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Oh, listen. Never, ever forget the God who loved us and saved us and is coming for us one day is the God of comfort. Amen to that. God loves to comfort His people. <clears throat> if you're in need of comfort, look unto the Lord. Let your prayers go to Him every day and He will comfort and He will strengthen you. And then you'll give Him the glory. Earlier I told you about this writer, this author named Bob Green. And he wrote about this young 15-year-old boy named Douglas who had been diagnosed with leukemia. I'd like to read for you the rest of the story now. Listen to this. One day, at least I should say, on the day he had been admitted, that's Douglas, he had opened his eyes, looked around his room and said to his mother, I thought you get flowers when you're in the hospital. This was his very first time in the hospital. One of Douglas's aunts, hearing this, 
called a floral shop to send Douglas an arrangement of flowers. The flower shop was Bricks Florist in St. Louis. As the aunt placed her telephone order, she was unsure that the sales clerk would do a, a good job. The voice of the sales clerk, a woman, was high-pitched and she sounded young. The aunt imagined an inexperienced clerk who would be unaware of the flower arrangement's significance. And so the aunt said, I want the planter especially attractive. It's for my teenage nephew who has leukemia. Oh, said the sales clerk. Well, then let's add some fresh cut flowers to brighten it up. Fine, said the aunt. When the floral arrangement arrived at the hospital, it was beautiful. Douglas was feeling strong enough to sit up. He opened the envelope and read the card from his aunt. And then he saw that in the envelope was another card. His mother said the second card must have been placed in the envelope by mistake. It must have been meant for another floral arrangement for some other person. But Douglas removed the card from the envelope anyway. He read the card. Here's what it said. Douglas, I took your order. I work at Bricks Florist. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm 22 years old now. Good luck. My heart goes out to you. Sincerely, Laura Bradley. According to his mother, Douglas's face lit up. He said, oh! His mother said for the first time since he'd been in the hospital, he'd gotten some inspiration. He had talked to so many doctors and nurses, but this one card from the woman at the florist who had survived leukemia herself was the thing that made him believe he might just beat the disease. Now, Bob Green, who wrote the article, said, I called Bricks Florist and asked to speak with Laura Bradley. At first she was unsettled by hearing from a newspaper man. She thought she might have done something wrong, but I explained why I was getting in touch. When the woman on the phone told me the boy had leukemia, my head dropped into my hands, she said. I felt tears coming to my eyes. It reminded me of when I first learned that I had the disease. I realized what the boy must be going through. I wanted him to know that you really can get better. So I wrote the card and slipped it into the envelope. I didn't tell anyone at the flower shop what I did. I haven't been working here very long. I was afraid I might get into trouble. Bob Green told her that he doubted if she would get into trouble. He told her what her card had done for Douglas and his family. And she said, thank you. And there was an awkward silence and the two of them said goodbye. Bob Green wrote, he said, it's funny. Douglas was in the hospital. He was in a hospital filled with millions and millions of dollars of the most sophisticated medical equipment. He was being treated by expert doctors and nurses with medical training who totaled hundreds of years of experience. But it was a sales clerk in a flower shop 
a woman making maybe $170 a week who by taking the time to care and being willing to go with what her heart told to do, she gave to Douglas hope and the will to carry on. Isn't that encouraging? Do you know of anyone right now who could use a little encouragement? Then why don't you send them a little text? A little email? You might say, Pastor, I myself am sick. Well, that'll just make it all the more precious, won't it? If you know of someone who could use a little comfort and encouragement, let it begin with you. You do that. I think you're going to find God's going to encourage you. When you take a step out of your comfort zone, when you take a step out of your discomfort zone to help someone else and encourage someone else, God is going to bless you for that. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.